Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So we're going to dive into this. I want to wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. God bless you. We need more fathers to step up to the plate and to be fathers. And that's the thing that God has called fathers to do. Um, you know, it's not anybody can just make a baby, but it takes a, a wise person, a wise man to make a father, to really step into that anointing of being a father. And God himself is father. He's not referred to as mother God, but he's referred to as Father God. And so therefore, there is a special place in the world for fathers. And today we, as uh, the world, we celebrate fathers. We need fathers, not only biological fathers, we need spiritual fathers. We need fathers in the community, fathers who are going to take people and, um, and really father them and help them and provide guidance. That's what a real father does. And so with that said, we're going to dive into our message today. But before we do, we're going to pray. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. Grant unto me your son and his slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today I'm going to talk about building a God-centered family. Building a God-centered family. As you hear that title, I want you to think about your house, your home as a little church. So your house should be a little church. Not that every house should have a pastor or every house should have deacons and so forth, but every house should be a carrier of the presence of God, where God is the center of it. And so we're going to dive right into this. Um, today, um, again, we're talking to specifically to fathers about building a God-centered family. Unfortunately, a, a, a significant amount of children who grow up in, the, in a Christian home end up leaving the faith or never was really a part of the faith. So it takes the wisdom of God for a man to build a God-centered family. It does not come just because you desire or be, even because you pray it, but it's something that you have to be intentional. You have to aim at this. You have to shoot for it. You have to be disciplined to provide this type of environment. Um, but this message can also apply to single mothers. I know that we have single mothers who, who's part of this congregation. And so this message applies to you. We know we have people who have grown children and this message can apply to you wherever you are or single people. You can have a God centered household, even as a single person. So I want to give you some material, some building materials to build your God centered family. The first one is prayer. And if you go with you, go with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Pray without stopping. I believe that prayer should be something that we do all the time. Prayer should be second nature to the Christian. Even as we as humans take time to breathe, we breathe unconsciously, prayer should be like that to the, for the believer. We should always be in communion with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is something that every Christian should, 
strive to get a PhD in. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians who have never graduated kindergarten and prayer. You know, they're still in prayer school in kindergarten or preschool. But I'm telling you, you need to develop a prayer life, having a prayer life. You need to know how to pray and how to get in contact with God. You should not rely on your prayer partner. You should rely on developing a, a, a vibrant prayer, prayer life for yourself. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. It says, and he told them, this is Jesus, a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. King James says men should always pray and never faint. So we should be people of prayer. If you go with me in your, with your Bible to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. In verse 2, it says this, And now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And then he begins to talk about the Lord's prayer. And so you should pray that prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. Do not assume that you know how to pray. That's, that's a, a, a weakness of ours, that we don't know how to pray as we ought, according to Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, um, likewise, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. Actually, I skipped down a little bit, but it says that we don't know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Let me go over there. I'm messing that scripture all up. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verse 26. Verse 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought for the spirit, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have the scripture that tells us we don't know how to pray as we ought. That's one of our weaknesses. We don't know how to pray as we ought. So praying, Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, the disciples heard Jesus praying after Jesus had prayed. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So that should be a prayer. You should have that on your prayer list. Lord, teach me to pray. Prayer is something that we need to develop and cultivate. Prayer should be a spiritual discipline that we pursue constantly. It takes spiritual efforts and it takes physical efforts. Prayer is not easy. You're not just sitting down. Let me just talk to God. Prayer is deeper than talking to God. Prayer is a communion with God, Father God. So it's not just talking to God, but it's communicating with God on his level. It's approaching him according to the scriptures. To pray effectively, you need to know the word of God. So you just can't just go and just, oh, let me just talk to Jesus, my homeboy. No, you, you go with reverence and you go with honor. And you also go asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. You need the leadership of the Spirit to help you to pray effectively. Sometimes we pray out of our minds instead of praying in our from our minds with common sense, right? Sometimes we pray um, traditional prayers. We pray religious prayers. We heard somebody else say something, so we say it in prayer. I, I mean, it's good to learn from others in prayer, but you don't want to pray religiously or pray from a traditional pr pr place. Um, if you're going to build a God-centered family, you're going to have to learn how to pray. And 
Once again, there's a saying that says a, a family that prays together stays together. I know that's not found in the scriptures, but that's a powerful saying. If you pray with your family, something happens supernaturally and God connects that family as a, un a unit and that family begins to be on one accord. Prayer binds the hearts together. So this is if you're single, I would encourage you not to pray with yours, um, the opposite person that you're attracted to. Why? Because it, there's, there's a bond that is created in prayer. And I do believe that you should be wise when praying with someone that you're not married with, specifically if you're in a relationship. I'm not saying not to have a prayer, a prayer partner, whatnot. not that you can't ever pray, but there's something about prayer that does something. It, it binds people together. Prayer, it brings such a unity. And so we need to be careful who we pray with. Like I'm saying, I'm talking about building a God-centered family. And if your family is going to be God-centered and Christ-exalting and spirit-filled and spirit-led, you're going to have to pray. Prayer should be the foundation of your family. You should pray. And I would encourage you, and I'm talking to myself, is make time every day to pray. Every day, pray, spend some time praying with your family. It, 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 you, prayer can be taught, but most importantly, it can be caught. And the spirit of prayer will be, be caught by your children. Your children need to see you praying. They need to hear you praying. They need to see your prayers in their lives. Years and years after you're going home to be with Jesus, your prayers should hunt your children down and bring them into the kingdom of God. Your prayers will outlast you, will outlive you on this earth. And so God, you, once you go to heaven, you can't pray for your children. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling truth. I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking revelation. You cannot pray for your children when you're in heaven. You have to pray the prayers now. So you need to learn how to pray. And if you're going to build a God-centered family, you got to have to build that family in prayer. You need to pray for your children. You need to pray with your children. Proverbs 15 verse 8 says that God delights in our prayers. That, that's an assurance that he, he, he enjoys our prayer life. So I want to encourage you to spend time praying with your children. If your children are still at home, spend some time. If you're in the grandparent stage, pray with your children, your grandchildren. Pray with your adult children. Learn how to pray. Fathers, you are called to be the number one prayer partner, a prayer warrior, or prayer person in your family. So if no one else prays, sometimes fathers will rely on mothers or their spouses or their wives to do all the praying for the family. No, it is your responsibility as the head of the home to lead out in prayer. So you should be the main person. You should be the person that knows how to pray more than anybody else. Yes, I'm challenging you. As the head of the house, you need to know how to pray and get in contact with God. Learning how to pray is more valuable than all the money in the world because money cannot buy you health. It can buy you some time, a little bit, because, because of medical science. But prayer can do things that money cannot. Prayer can give you favor. Prayer can position you to receive from God and hear from God. And one word from God can change your life forever. Prayer does, does a whole lot 
more than anything else in this world. Prayer is more important than networking. Networking is important. You need to know some people who know some things and know somebody, but you need to know God who knows all things and knows all people. And he can connect you with the right people at the right time with the right situation. And so you need to learn how to pray and build your family on prayer, teaching them to take everything to God in prayer, teaching them to not worry about anything, but to be a person of prayer, be people of prayer. Your children, and once again, your children can catch the spirit of prayer by learning how to pray if you will pray. Again, you need to pray with them daily. Make it a grace-filled habit to pray with your children. I challenge you now, in the name of Jesus, learn how to pray with your children every day. If we'll, if we'll do more praying with our children, we won't lose our children. Sometimes, some re I'm convinced the reason I stand before you is because of my mother and my father. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed with me. I remember when my mom was a single mom, she would lay hands on me every day and pray and pleading the blood of Jesus over me and my brother and, and speaking the word and prayed for my wife before I was even of age to get married. She prayed for a godly woman in my life. And the reason I got my wife is because of my mother. And I'm telling you, you need to learn how to pray. Start praying for your children's education, your college, scholarships, grants, favor. <laughs> Come on. Scott, start praying for their careers. As the head of the house, as the father, you're called to pray for their, their future. Pray for their future, future spouses. Pray for their, pray for your grandchildren, pray for your great grandchildren, pray for your great, great grandchildren. Come on. I'm telling you, go ahead and reach out into generations to the unborn and pray the will of God down on your family line. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did because we only here for a small amount of time. We don't have a lot of time on the earth. If you live to be 120, which I'm planning on living to be 120, I only got like 73 years on the earth, 73. That's, uh, that's not a lot compared to eternity. So I better do, I better start praying a whole lot more, right? Your prayers will outlive you. And so you want to build your house on prayer. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. When you pray in the house, something happens. Now, some of y'all are single parents, single fathers. Some of y'all have joint custody with your children. I'm telling you, when you got when you have your children with you, pray with them, pray with them, learn how to pray for them daily and learn how to pray with them. There's something about prayer. Don't just rely on your mind and your knowledge, but God knows how to get you out of debt. He knows how to he knows how to get the right person to upgrade your house. He knows to, how to help you. Help your ch children when it's deals, dealing with bully, bullying. He knows how to um, take an active child and cause that child to be full of joy and full of peace. Right? He does. He knows how to take a shy child and make that child open up. So when you pray, things happen. Prayer is a supernatural means in which we can change the world. And most importantly, you can change your world. And so we're talking about building a God-centered family. How do you do that? By prayer. You got to start with prayer. Everything should start out with prayer. The, um, the Christians, every endeavor that is a, 
a failure, Christian endeavor that is a failure, it's a prayer failure. So you start with everything in prayer. Now you don't end with prayer, but you begin with prayer. Begin your day in prayer. Lay on your bed and just pray. Begin to pray for your children's day. As the head of the house, you need to do that. All right, I can stay there as you can sit, tell. I can stay there forever. And you can close your Bibles and go ahead and go eat that roast that's in the, <laughs> in the oven. <laughs> I'm just, oh, take out that checkout now. You know, you got a little, now everything's opening up. You can call the Chinese people or, or the Chinese restaurants, or you can call, I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A is closed, closed on Sunday. Sorry, my fault. Um, but you, whatever restaurant you want to go to, you, you can call that in right now. My second building material that I would like to share with you is the Word of God. If you're going to build a God-centered family, you're going to have to build it not only in prayer or with prayer, but you got to build it with the Word of God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a powerful scripture that I came across years ago, and I, I always kind of made a mental note that when I had children, I will keep this in my heart and my mind. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through nine. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So there is one God, and we serve the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Here's the scripture that Jesus says that is the greatest commandment. That we should love the Lord our God with all our, of our, what, heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Your children need to see you love God with everything within you. You should love God more than you love your wife. You should love God more than you love your life. You should love God more than you love your job. You should love God more than you love your family members. Love God with every part of your being, your heart your soul, and your might. Love him. Um, one Jesus said in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your mind. So love him with your mind. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them, notice the next part, diligently to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you should bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be a, for, a for, frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Notice this, that the Bible tells us to diligently teach it, teach the word of God to our children. You should have, I remember growing up, my mom had the Ten Commandments on the wall. That, that's part of it, right? You need to have things that reflect God in your house. Don't just have your culture all and pictures of yourself. I mean, do that, those things. But put some things up that's going to remind you of the Word of God. You know, you can start out with just printing a piece of paper with the Ten Commandments and putting it on the Lord's Prayer or your favorite scriptures. Put them all over your house. I mean, I'm not, you know, maybe in the room or maybe somewhere they can see it. You got to teach, it says, verse 6, it says that, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, verse 7, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them, 
Talk of them. You should sit down in your house. When you go to bed, when you rise up, you should be teaching the word of God. How many know that you cannot leave it up to your, the children's director or the children's pastor? You cannot leave it up to the youth pastor. You cannot leave it up to the senior pastor or the lead pastor to teach your children. You are the responsibility. You, you have spiritual responsibility of teaching your children the word of God. Do not allow the world to teach them about your God. <laughs> don't, give it, don't leave it up to somebody else. You yourself got to know the God, know the word of God for yourself. You got to know God through his word. If you don't know the word, then they won't know the word. If you're not living the word, they won't live the word. You got to teach the word to God that you know. There's no other way around it. Unless you put the word of God first in your family, your children are going to grow up ignorant of God. You got to put the word of God in their hearts and in their minds even helping them memorizing scriptures. You got to teach them theology. Theology is a big word that many people are afraid of. It's not really that big, but it just simply means the study of God. Don't be afraid of the word theology or doctrines. You got you to teach. You yourself got to learn doctrines, but you also got to teach doctrines to your children. Teach them the fundamentals of, of the faith. Just because you enjoy PD <laughs> doesn't mean that your children are going to enjoy PG, PD. Right. It's just it's that it's, that, it's not all God's going to raise up a different. They're going to have a different senior pastor. I'm not going to be pastoring this church. Oh, no, I'm not going to be an old man pastoring this church. I, I'm going to be around the world teaching the gospel and holding crusades and people can send people saved. I'm going to be pastoring pastors, <laughs> writing books and writing commentaries for the glory of God. And, and even some other things I want to talk about right now. <laughs> so I want to encourage you that your voice should carry more weight in your children's life than anybody else. Let me say that again. As the father, and if, you don't, if you're a single mother, I'm talking to you, your voice should carry more weight in your children's life than anybody else. You should be the voice of God to your children. It should carry more weight. That means you got to love them. You got to correct them. You got to be there for them. You can't walk away. You made this baby. You were there. And some of y'all, if y'all have kids that you have not been, been in touch with for years, I want to challenge you, man of God, to reach out today. Make every effort to find your child and support them financially, support them spiritually, support them educationally, whatever way that you can. Do not be a dead beat dead. Get your butt up and find your child if you don't know where they are. Well, it's not my responsibility. I, I, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, it's horrific. To, the, the amount of children don't have relationship with their biological fathers. I'm telling you, it's not right. It's not right. God, you, you did whatever you did, and that baby cat here, now you need to be the man of God that God is calling you to be and make sure you support that baby. Well, it's going to cost me. Well, you should have thought about that when you had sex with their mom. Right? So, so if you got to get two jobs to support your, your children, you got to do what you got to do. Do not allow, allow your kids. I've seen it all, well, across halfway the world in Africa, even in Uganda. I've seen a lot of children without their biological fathers. And I'm telling you, it's a sad thing. It's, it's, people are upset, and they should be upset about racism, but I'm also upset about fathers not being fathers. 
that I'm just as passionate about that. You know, people, oh, are they, they ready to protest? Let's protest against that. Protest against abortion. Let me stop. Let me calm down. <laughs> and see, it's not, racism is not the only sin out here. It's, it's, it's the fatherlessness that's happening. That's a sin, too. That's the sin. And, and fathers who are working all the time, you may be providing financially, but if you're not present, you're still sinning. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Come on now. <laughs> all right, let me go back to this. Um, your voice should carry more weight in your children's life than anybody else. Um, raise your children in the faith. Raise them on the doctrines of the, of, of the Bible, the doctrines of the faith. I'm going I'm to say this, and, and you may not agree with it, but I, I, can, I can sit down with you and we can talk about it. You don't give your child a choice when it comes to serving God. You don't give them a choice. Um, you, make, you, make it, you make the choice for them. God gave you children so that you can produce the faith in your child. In Malachi chapter 2, it talks about that God brings families together, a husband and wife together, so that it can produce a godly offspring. And so God did not give you that child so that child could be a mini you, right? Oh, that's a mini me. Oh, isn't he cute? Isn't she cute? No. Or, or God, gave, God didn't give you that child so that you can go and, and bully your own child, you know, or go get the remote or take out the trash. You need to teach your children those responsibilities, but you need to raise them up in the things of God. You are responsible of teaching your child about life in God. So you need to use this time to train and raise your children up. The scripture tells us to raise a child up in the way that they, they should go. When they're older, they should not depart. What, 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 not, what, what is it they're not, they're not departing from? They're not departing from the teaching. If you're poor, the word of God into your children, that word will grab a hold of their life. It may not necessarily grab it the way that you want to right now, but it eventually will. Children are like cement, and you have a small amount of time to make an impression, a, an everlasting impression, an internal impression, and that impression will stay within them for life and even for eternity. So you need to make sure that you're making the right impression on your children. Um, it, it's just it, w w the way you live, what you're saying. Think about your own father and your own mother and how they made an impression. You find yourself just like your mom or just like your dad. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm turning into this woman or this man. And you find yourself like that because of the, and the impression that's on the ch child. So we're talking about the Word of God and how the Word of God is a building material in which building a God-centered family. So as, as you teach your children, remember, either your child is conforming to the image of Jesus or conforming to the image of the world or Satan. So you want, you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're creating an environment for your child to be raised up in a godly home. The way you treat your, treat your wife is the way that they're going to treat their, the sons are going to treat their wives or the daughters are going to be expected to be treated by their husbands. So if you're slapping your wife around, guess what? That's what they're going to do. Your son's going to do that to their wives and, and your daughters are going to expect to be, for that to happen to them. So we, we need to teach our children about sex, God's way, 
teach them about marriage God's way, teach them about money God's way, teaching them how to honor God with their tithes and their offering, teach them how to save and spend money, teach them about the dangers of debt, teaching them about telling um, the truth, the dangers of lying, teaching them how to love their spouse if they have one, I mean, if you have one, teach them about love, teach them how to love, how to forgive. You teach them how to forgive by you forgiving them. When they do something wrong, don't always bring it up to their, their, to their um, remembrance. Forget about it. It's a done deal. Teach them how to believe God for the impossible. Teach them how to use their faith. Teach them how to worship God by raising your hands up. Fathers, when the last time you raised your hands up, not to hit someone, but to raise them up to God as a surrender, as a sign of surrender and acknowledgement of who God is. You need to raise your hand. You need to walk around your house. I said this before, but it, it bears repetition. Raise your hands up and begin to worship God in your house. Begin to declare how much you love God. When the last time your child heard you speak in tongues? Now, if you can cuss, you can speak in tongues. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I said it. Some of you, oh, I don't want to speak in that tongue business. It's not for me. No, but you, you'll cuss and you'll say everything else. You'll say the N word and all these other words. And you can't yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit where you can pray out the will of God for your life and your family. Come on, give me a break. Come on. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit and open your mouth and speak in tongues. You're the main one that should be speaking in tongues. You should speak in tongues more than your wife. Your wife up there praying and travailing and speaking in tongues and you're up there cussing. <laughs> I'm telling you, Get your act together, man of God, and yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit and, and begin to pray out those mysteries. You can speak in tongues now. Just open your mouth. You'll speak. He's available just like that. And I'm telling you, your kids need to hear you speaking in tongues. Your kids need to hear you praising and worshiping God and teaching the Word of God and talking more about Christ than anybody else. I'm not saying you got to go around and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm not telling you to, to be boring and, and force Jesus down their throat, but you need to be so passionate and in love with Jesus that they can see it, they can feel it, they can sense it, and, and, and they pick up that. One thing about my mom, I remember her being so passionate and my dad being so passionate about Jesus in a way that put an impression on my life that when they were wrong, they came to me and apologized and repented. I'm telling you, it does something to a child's heart to see their parents passionately in love with God and with Christ, with the Holy Spirit and with each other. It's something about that. And as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting passionate about this, about the Word of God. You got to teach the... I was I served as youth pastor for 15 years, and I'm telling you, I've seen parents have brought their kids to me <laughs> after they're teenagers and want me to do a miracle. But all the time, they had all these years, 14, 15 years, to make an, a, a godly impression, and now they want me to undo 14 years of sin with 45 minutes of counseling. Ridiculous. I mean, I'm telling you that it's, it's going to take a process and, and it's going to take time. And, and, and if you've waited this long to deal with your children, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Repent and start working on it now. Even if your kids are adults, you can make it right. God is a God of a second and a third and another, just say another chance. He's a God that's going to be there tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, and next day. And he's so faithful, and he'll forgive you, and he'll make your misery into a ministry. He'll make your mistakes as stepping stones. He'll turn your scars into stars. He'll, he'll change your whole life. So your mistakes, you might 
might have been on drugs a long time. God can take that and turn it around and speak to your child and cause them to not make the same mistakes. All right, let me continue. <laughs> the third, the third way, a third building material, material to, to build a God-centered family is the presence of God. The presence of God. Your house should be a place where the presence of God is manifested. The presence of God. Go with me to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. As you can tell, I'm, I'm passionate about children. I'm, I, I served as a children's pastor. Y'all didn't know that. <laughs> for about a year. I served as a youth pastor for about 14 years between three different churches. Um, last church, I, I served the, the longest, but I, I started out in youth ministry and children's ministry. And so I know there's a special place in God's heart for children. That's why I'm believing God to have one of the best children's ministry in the world. I'm trusting God to have one of the best youth ministry in the world. We should have the largest youth ministry in the world. And I, I'm trusting God because I, children, children are important to the Lord. I mean, he, he told his disciples not to forbid the children to come. And Jesus allowed the children to come around him and he ministered to them. He laid hands on them. And children need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Children need to experience God's presence. Children need to know the Bible. Listen, I'm telling you, people in other religions, their children know their, their doctrine. They know what they believe. They can tell you what they believe. And I'm telling you, we as Christians need to step up in this area area, especially fathers, step up in this areas, area and teach our children the ways of God. If you don't teach them the ways of God, the world is teaching them. And, and I'm going to say something about this a little bit later, but don't allow the smartphones, YouTube, YouTube kids to teach your child. You need to control that. You need to know what your children are looking at. Okay, Psalm 35, 95, sorry, Psalm 95. We're talking about building a God-centered family. Psalm 95, let's look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Here the scripture tells us, to come before his presence. Teach your children how to practice the presence of God. I touched a little bit on it on the last um, building block, which is the word of God. Teach them how to dwell in his presence. Teach them how to yield to his presence. Some of y'all need to lear learn how to yield to his presence. He's like, how are you going to do that when I don't even know how to yield to his presence? I'm telling you, you can sense the presence of God. If you'll become more aware of his presence and you'll pray and spend time in his word and worship him, his presence will come and dwell with you. I'm not talking, we know that God is omnipresent, so he's everywhere at the same time. But his manifested presence is not. I'm telling you, the tangible presence that you feel and you sense when you come to KLM in our service, the praise and worship and the Word of God, that presence can be in your home. It's not, it's, there's a difference, a difference in between corporate uh, worship and individual or family worship, but I'm telling you, you can have a deposit of that worship and you should carry that in your house. I'm telling you, teach your kids how to carry the presence of God. I'm telling you, everywhere they go, they can have the presence of God. When they go off to college, teach them how to worship God and how to get wisdom 
from God to pass that exam, to write that paper, to write that thesis, to write that dissertation when they go for their doctrine. Yes, I'm speaking prophetically. Uh, when they go to pass the, the, the bar, yeah, yeah, the wisdom of God come upon them. And what will be hard, hard for some will be easy for your children. If you're, they'll learn how to pray, learn how to meditate the Word of God, learn how to dwell in the presence of God. They can carry that presence everywhere they go. That presence of God can be upon them so strong when they go to sin, that presence will be manifested and telling them not to do that. When, when, when there's danger, the presence of God will lead them a different direction. I'm telling you, God's presence needs to be present in, the children, in your children's life. And as a father, if you're gonna build a God-centered family, it is not God's will for your child to be with you forever, all right? So they should grow up and want to leave. The Bible says man should leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. So they need to leave you and cleave to their spouse. That's the will of God. So you have a small amount of time. You have about 16, I say 16, 17 years to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, and to de demonstrate the gospel to your children, and then they're on their own. So if you have a 10-year-old, you, you only have about six, seven years. If you have an eight-year-old, you have about eight years. If you have a four-year-old, you have what, about 12 years. So you have a short amount of time to instill in them the prayer, the word of God, and the presence of God. Um, next two, real quick, our time is getting away, is spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Um, we, we see from John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, if you take heed to my word, then you become my disciples. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 talks about making disciples, going to all the world and make disciples. And the first place you need to go is to your home. Go in your home and make disciples. For those who sense a calling on your life to, to be in ministry, don't let it be said that you're winning the entire world but losing your family. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be ministering to everybody else on the phone and you end up not ministering to your children. Man of God, woman of God, I tell you, minister to your children. Have Bible study with your children. Mentor your children, disciple your children. Man of God, don't just be all over everywhere. And, and I, I never heard, I never forget this. I heard a man, his son was pretty wild and, and, and doing everything, having sex in the youth ministry and everything. And guess what? He was more concerned about his ministry than he was about his own son. He said, I'm not going to let you destroy my ministry. And I almost fell out of my chair. I said, oh, my. And I, I talked to him afterwards. I said, listen, your, your, your family is your ministry. Your ministry is proven at home first before it's proven anywhere else. If your, if your kids can, and your wife cannot see you live right at home, then you have no business preaching. Because that wife and those children say he's a hypocrite. He doesn't live what he say. He, he uses foul languages, language at home. He, he dogs my mom out. He, he, he yells at me for no reason. He, he, and I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about just being, provoking your children to anger. That's the type, you, 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 you prove your Christianity first with yourself, at, by yourself, and you prove it with your wife, 
You prove it with your children. You prove it at people you work with. They, they need to know that you are a real Christ follower, that you've really been born again. All right, the next one is to love one another. Galatians 6.10 talks about do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. So you got to teach your children how to forgive. You got to teach them how to forgive. Even in this climate of racism, teach them how to forgive. I never forget this. There, there was racism that I dealt with as a kid, and my mom taught me how to say, hey, listen, you got to forgive. Forgive those white people. Don't hold it against them. And, and I remember one time, and, and, and you're going to think this is funny, and I'm sure you're not going to think that your pastor actually did this, but I remember one time I, was, I, I got in a fight with a, a kid. He was biracial. And we fought. And of course, I won. <laughs> and, and so we were going down to the principal, and the teacher that was taking us, I called the teacher out his name. <laughs> and I said some really bad things about the teacher. And then I went to the principal. At the time, the principal used to be able to spank you, right, with the powder, powder. And so she, she spanked me. She hit me once or twice. And I said, you better not do it again, B, the female dog. <laughs> That's what I said. And, <laughs> and she said, Mr. Wright, you just got yourself suspended. I said, I don't care, suspend me. Do you know? And I was just, it was, it was horrible. And my mom made me go and apologize to the guy I beat up, made me apologize to the teacher, and made me apologize to that principal and ask for forgiveness. She was teaching me how to love, teaching me how to forgive, how, you know, asking, teaching me humility. And I'm telling you, you have responsibility of teaching your children how to love. Now, I said all that to say, real quick, I have applications. Here are the applications. Some of these things will remind you of some of the things I just shared, the first the five things I've shared, but it needs to be said. The first thing, in order to build a these are important things to in building a God-centered family. So the first one is to set a time or two throughout the day to pray with your children. Very practical. You got to set some time, whether it's in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, you know, everybody brush their teeth and they're eating. You pray over the food. But spend some time before, they get, before you start your day, if you can, we pray with them. Pray with your children. At nighttime, before they go to bed, pray with your children. Or in the daytime. I, I know schedules are all mess, mixed, up, mixed up. So you just got to find some time to pray. And then this is what I, I do at times. I go in my children's room, and I lay hands on them, and I pray the blessings of God upon them. There's something about the land on the hands. I'm going to teach about this this year. The land on the hands, that's one of the fundamental doctrines of the faith. And there is God's power is transferred in the land on the hands, and there's something that that happens when you lay hands on people. People can receive the Holy Spirit by laying on the hands. People, devils can be driven out by the laying on the hands. God's healing power is transferred. There's a blessing that, if I lay hands on you, I can I can command the blessings of God to come upon you. Yes. And so, as a father, you have a right, and if you're a single mom, you have a right to lay hands on your children and to speak the blessings of God over them. You, you, through the land of the hands, you can transfer the blessings of God upon your children. There's something that happens with the land of the hands. And so spend some time, set some time throughout the day to pray with your children and take them one notch further and lay hands on them. Number two, make time to teach them daily. So 
it may not be a full-fledged Bible study at eight hours, <laughs> but, but if you can do 10, 15 minutes, give them a Bible lesson. Teach them of scripture, something. Make some time, or in, even in conversations over the dinner, find out some scriptures. So number two is to make time to teach them daily. And when I say daily, I'm not just talking about, it, it has to be a formal, because, because it can be informal. Find some time to teach them daily. If they're watching television, or I said this before, smartphone or YouTube all the time, then the world is raising your children. They're forming doctrinal beliefs in your children. Don't assume your child, your children are going to be okay because you're a Christian. Don't assume they're going to be okay. You have to make time for them to pray with them and to teach them. You got to make this time. Number three, bring your children to church every time the doors are open. Now, granted, you may go on vacation. I'm not telling you. I mean, even on vacation, I go, go to church. That's just me. I'm not trying to put that conviction on you. But if I, if I go to Hawaii, I'm going to church somewhere on that Sunday if I can. If I go to Uganda, I'm going to church. In Florida, I'm going to church. In Arkansas, I'm going to church. If I'm going to Alaska, I'm going to, I'm going to find a church. It doesn't matter if it's a Baptist church, a Methodist church, or a Word, a Faith, a Charismatic, or a Reformed church. I'm going to be in a church somewhere sitting down here in the Word of God. I'm telling you, bring your children to church every time that every possible opportunity. When a parent keeps their children home, most of the time you're training your children to say it's not okay to go to church. They should love going to church. It's still a love to go to church. Church should be a safe place for them and a place of joy. Don't allow sports, I said it, don't allow sports or any other activities to keep your child out of church. So if you talk, you have a coach, some of you know, our kids are getting of age, some of our kids are getting of age, they have ballet and different stuff. Make sure on Sunday mornings they're in church and then go to the activities. And you talk to that coach, you talk to that, that dance instructor or whatever the case may be, say, listen, or that piano uh, um, teacher or the tutor, we don't go to church. We, we are very, we're committed to our faith. Our faith is our life. And they're not going to participate. Well, they're going to be benched. Or let them be benched because God can give them a scholarship in ways that the, the athlete, athlete, uh, athletic or the sports can't, right? Uh, find, make it a point to make this priority and not just an afterthought. Because when you do that, you're training them to forget about God. You're responsible, not necessarily for getting them saved, but creating an environment that it, in, in, in a culture that is stronger in their life than that of the world. All right, the next one. Read the Word of God with them. Strive to be faithful in reading the Scriptures with your kids. This, this is a time of forming. Children are like, I said, they're like this, they're like cement. Don't leave it up to other people, but you are responsible for their health, their safety, their education, their financial um, habits, and their spiritual growth. God will ask you of your child's spiritual condition. You're not responsible for getting them saved, but you are responsible for teaching them the ways that they should go. The next one, this is a controversial one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. You know, I'm known for this, to be controversial. You got to pick your kids' friends. You got to pick their kids, their friends. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, he that is wise, walk with wise men. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good behavior. So you got to pick your children's friends. Nah, I don't want you to hang out with that person. Nah, I don't want you to call them. I don't want you to text them. I don't want you to look at that YouTube. And we'll talk about this in a minute. You got to pick their friends. 
Don't allow them to be um, talking to anybody online, right? So you got to choose their friends, their influence. You should be the main influence in their heads and in their hearts. You should be, you should really be as a father, you should be the Lord in their life. Little Lord. <laughs> uh, the little Lord should reflect the big Lord. So you should be the Lord in their life. All right. So you got to pick their friends. The next one, number six, pick their entertainment. Yes. You pick their entertainment. We leave too many choices for our children. You know, what do you want to eat? What do you want to, you know, what time you want to go to sleep? No, you are the parent and they're the child. And so it's your responsibility to pick their entertainment. So choose their movies, choose their music, choose the YouTube channels. Um, don't allow the world to get in their heads. You know, the next one, know where they are. Know where they are. In other words, know where they are naturally, physically, educationally, and know where they are spiritually. Know the condition. Proverbs um, chapter 27, verse 23. Know their spiritual, know what's going on in their hearts and in their, their minds. And how do you do that? By, by listening to them. And we'll, that's one of the points. The next one is seek the wisdom of God. Proverbs 4 says, get wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. So get, seek God's wisdom. God knows your child better than you. So go after the wisdom of God by staying in prayer, by being in the word, coming to church, also reading books about parenting, also um, seeking godly people who are raising their children. And the next one, sh show your kids that life is fun with God. Don't let it be, oh, it's real stiff and, oh, oh, I hate church or, you know, but, but let them know the abundant life that Jesus came to give them. Let them know that they can have fun and still serve God and laugh. Last but not least, um, listen to them. Listen to your children. James 1.19 says, be slow to speak, but quick to hear. God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you really should listen twice as much as you talk. If you talk a whole lot, you need to listen twice as much as you talk. The key to a kid's heart and life is through your ears. You will know what's going on in their heart, in their mind, by listening to them. You will know where the enemy is simply, simply by listening to them. Where's the enemy in their life? What ground has the enemy gained in their life by listening to them? Learning how to listen to them. This is how you're going to build a God-centered family by applying these. Let me pray with you. I know I went kind of long today, but guess what? Building a God-centered family is not easy. And so it takes a message like this to take time to to meditate on these things, I, I challenge you to go back and listen to these things and get them in your heart and visit them again and again and again because it's going to take practice. It's going to take time. You need to be reminded of these things. Father God, I thank you specifically for all the fathers. I pray that you strengthen them, cause them to be the, the influence in their children's life. May, may they be the voice of God in their children's life. Help them to build a God-centered family. In Jesus' name, amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 
0-800-242-0073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you. 